Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Two Gays, One Episode. I'm Alex. And I am Goat Jesus. And Goat Jesus, what are we going to be doing today? We're going to be talking about two episodes. Um, uh, last two episode, episodes. we talked about one episode. Are they two episodes that are like one? Yes, but this, this is a two-parter special, I would argue. So, yeah, we're, we're doing for a two-for-one. Uh, last episode, we did one episode uh because we're kind of slowing things down and we're still slowing things down but it makes sense to do these two together because it's a very toji centric it's like a toji mini arc so to speak yes if they aired they probably aired together i don't know don't don't actually quote me on that they probably didn't i doubt didn't. it <laughs> I, yeah. doubt. I don't think they have <laughs> flexible airing schedules in japan no <laughs> so we opened there, this there episode kind of individual stories really even though it is a definitely a continuous narrative it's it's really two different stories kind of yeah so we open this episode with like um recapping the previous episode a little bit with what happened with liliel and it's uh misato talking to sele and uh we already get like more insight into the lore and world building here where the angels are implied to be specifically going after the the hearts and minds of the kid pilots and uh i think sele yeah, even says like yeah yeah sele even says like this might be a foreshadowing for what's to come or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, even Genjo, Gendo is like, yes, and the angels are becoming smarter. They're more intelligent now. So, you know, the angels are taking yeah. more strategic. Well, I don't think Leliel uh, even tries to go to Terminal Dogma at all. No, Lilio's just, just after kind of fucking with Shinji because that makes sense. Yeah. If the if they're going to go after uh, Terminal Dogma, it makes sense to get rid of the threat first, you know, mm-hmm. and then go after them later. So, um, and then uh, we get the next scene, which is uh, a Toji solo scene for the first time. We've broken new grounds. Toji is not with Kensuke yeah. or with anyone. He's just alone. <laughs> He's kind go of visit his sister setting up the whole two-parter where this is about toji yeah, so this, this is telling us as, as usual evangelion really likes to establish sort of likes to i mean this is most tv shows like to do this gonna establish what this episode is about in this first opening scene so this is about toji this is a toji story yeah weird, we're is... foreshadowing that maybe the angel is after or is gonna be after personal things and in a weird way it's oh, kind of he's yeah. after shinji's friend you know so it's kind of mm. um there's gonna be consequences for that but yeah how do you feel about toji how do we feel about toji as a character and <laughs> that's my whole reaction he... I-, I think he's a good foil for shinji shinji's like small uh innocent boy and then toji's just like this dumb jock but he's friends with shinji so i don't know yeah toji is the um he's the brawn of the operation he's the rebel he's without the a one. cause he's he's the marlon brando with the the uh the dumb jacket james dean. And he's... yeah <laughs> yeah or, yeah james he's dean wearing a tracksuit <laughs> just always wearing a tracksuit even though everyone else has to wear a uniform but people are like ah toji shouldn't you be in uniform and then he just like punches his fist and is like should i and they're like no you don't have to be in uniform they run away that like old teacher who doesn't and, know and what's ken, going on in the class ken, ken's case in the background he's like yeah get him boss get him <laughs> yeah get him toji ken's case is the brain it's of the kind of weird that they spend this episode developing toji they haven't really done it up to this point other than him just being kind of like the comic relief side character like a foil for shinji but now they're the like, last okay, now notable thing the last notable thing Toji did in my mind is hit Shinji over the head with a broom. And the last notable thing over before that was taking was off his, his pants, pants down. with Asuka. Yeah. <laughs> so, Flash so. Asuka. But here then, we're serious mode. Here we're serious mode. Toji is going to the hospital and he's very serious about this. He's like, I'm going to take care of my little sister. They're trying to make up for the lack of maybe development that they've done up to this point with him uh yeah do you think it kind of works as like a pity beat it's almost so fast that you can't even <laughs> yeah it's like oh i'm not really feeling that he's uh he's going to help his sister here it might have been good to show him taking care of said sister but maybe they didn't have the budget to do like a new character design or something so he's had like a new character design let's do hikari's design and never put her hair up or something <laughs> <They're> all, like, <laughs> the girls all look so different <laughs> <laughs> 
They kind of do. I mean, you could absolutely tell uh, the, Hikari the from... Do. The lead girls do. The lead girls very particularly yeah. all contrast each other. But, like, generally speaking, they're all, they all kind of have the same face syndrome. It happens a lot. I think that's just anime when... for the most part. It, yeah. it is. But you see it later when Ritsuko and Masada were, like, standing next to each other in perfect parallel and their noses are, like, exactly the same. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, you know. Um... So I was going to say, oh, well, like, really, all we know about him is he has a sister. He thinks Masato's hot. He's a jock, I guess, though we only see him playing sports one time, and that's later in this episode. And he's friends with Kensuke and Shinji. Yeah. He, like, his four character traits. He does some b-ball outside of the school. Um... When an angel showed up, <laughs> it was up to no good. This started making trouble in his neighborhood. <laughs> because he doesn't have a mom Ritsuko Akagi was like you're moving into the Evangelion unit I don't know anyways and then he bitch slapped the Evangelion unit back at Nerve Depot Ritsuko grabs her forklift and she's just like I gotta go grab Toji's mom and she takes the forklift well yeah that's one thing so we find out in this episode that the they start to hint at the Marduk Institute, which we've I think we've heard that name before in the the scene between uh, where Kaji was talking to that lady who may or may not be Ritsuko's grandmother. In, yeah, yeah, or uh, some related to Ritsuko in some way because she's got the cats and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking to and talking about the Marduk Institute and how it's just literally just like a series of like two hundred dummy corporations that lead from one to the other, and then it's like oh, and at the bottom. There's nothing, just like Pandora's box. Uh, no, actually, Pandora's box is hope at the bottom. Never mind. But um, there was nothing at the bottom. Uh, so at this point, Kaji knows that the Marduk Institute is just a big flim-flam operation. It's just a sham. And uh, so, so, but we also find out all the kids, and I think we find out in a later episode, actually, but that all the kids in Shinji's class are Evangelion pilot candidates, which means at least one of their parents has probably been, like, sacrificed to make an AvaCore. Yeah. So there's probably just this warehouse full of AvaCores. <laughs> yeah, for a, full of, like, po- probably mommies, maybe some daddies. We don't know about the daddy lore. Um, That's but, true. I don't uh, know if we know if any any dads are... But at least moms. And so they're, uh, there's just, like, a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, Ritzko's, like, piloting that forklift and grabbing the core <laughs> and putting it in the, the Ava unit. <laughs> How do they do all this work? Like, how do they how do they operate? How it's does very Nerve covert. operate? Um, th- well, you see, Nerve headquarters is really confusingly designed, and the only people who can know how to navigate it are the ones with all the the key cards and the information. So you so, know. So do they just I, they isolate everyone into like cells so that no cell knows what everyone else is doing? I'm just making <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> I know, I know, me too, but like. Like, how do they operate this giant underground facility without any information leaking? Because it very rarely leaks to anyone. Do they just have a really loyal, like, band of a hundred operatives who aren't telling anyone anything? You know, those NDAs, they're pretty binding. (laughs) The NDA is very strict. (laughs) Um... But kind of like moving. But like how do they build these giant crosses to like contain? <laughs> They're like, okay, contractor, I want you to build a giant underground cross. It has to be fifty feet tall. Well, all right, I gotta wait till Friday, but uh, I think I can do it. <laughs> what do you need this for anyway? Ask me no questions. Just build the giant cross. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, so Toji has like an Osaka accent, so I guess like. To properly translate him, you would probably want to do a Brooklyn thing or whatever. That's why... That was a Chicago accent, Michael, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all the same. It's all just, like, uh, all the same to me. Uh, just general city accents or something, I don't know. But, yeah. Um, Joey Wheeler gets that sort of thing. It was actually, in particular, an impression of actor Dennis Franz, if you must know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's inter- yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Toji's from Osaka, I guess. It's interesting that he's got that accent and that hasn't really been translated to any of the dubs in any kind of way. No, because 
famously that's the accent that Genochi and Yu-Gi-Oh has and they translated that into like a Brooklyn accent Brooklyn yeah. accent well Meowth Brooklyn also has accent. a Os- Osaka accent and he's got that whole thing going on Meowth that's white you know like that sort of thing so oh. they translated it's a pretty common way to translate uh that yeah, accent those are the poor English. kids dubs, though. those are a bit more hacky than the ADV or Netflix dubs oh true true <laughs> if Toji did have a Brooklyn accent yeah it's like they they asked hey, uh, Johnny and Bosch <laughs> Put on a Brooklyn accent for the Netflix dub. They're like, "Hey Shinji, you know, get over here. I got, I got some girls you can peep <laughs> on. I got, I got my sister. My sister <laughs> lost the eyesight in the battle. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> it was pretty tragic. Now I'm gonna have to wail on you. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to wail on you. Um." It, it, it is interesting, though, that Toji, in spite of being the kind of, like, dumb jock of the Ava cast, is really depressed and apprehensive to actually pilot uh, the Ava unit. Like, he seems really out of it. Um, yeah, Kensuke's eager, but Toji, Toji's not sure he wants to do it. Yeah, Kensuke's just, like, pull, pushing up his glasses and being like, no, can you please let me pilot Ava? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, they should have let me do the dub for Kensuke. I would have been perfect. Uh, <laughs> you would have. Misato, Miss Misato. Die, I want to pilot this Ava unit. Well, Kensuke's the nerd. He's the one who he's the one who knows all this military stuff, and he wants to. He's like, I want to be a pilot, just like you, Shinji. Well, the interesting thing about Kensuke is that he's sort of modeled off of um, Jean from Nadia, Secret of Blue Water, uh, who was the protagonist mm-hmm. of Nadia, who was a, an inventor type of kid, uh, who's like very adventurous and like proactive. And they kind of placed mm-hmm. him here and went, no, actually, just the casual Japanese kid is going to be the one to. To pilot the Ava unit instead of the, uh, the what would man. traditionally the be man uniform, what would traditionally be like the uh, the protagonist of a mech anime or something, an adventure show. That's I true. Guess. Uh, to- either Toji or Kensuke could both be protagonists in an anime. I think you have like the jockey. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, kid, like, like Kensuke is type, and then you have the yeah Toji. Toji and Kensuke are both like more fitting protagonists who aren't protagonists, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Toji's just like he—he's he, also a little bit of a uh, faux pas sexist, which I think is pretty funny as far as characterization goes. Like later on when Shinji's cleaning, he's just like, "Yo, Shinji, that's uh, that's kind of goily, goily, don't you think?" And then, uh... <laughs> what is the thing now? <laughs> Toji's from Brooklyn. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and so, okay. And Shinji's just like, well, I don't know. You get some real babes if you like clean, you know. Girls like that shit. And Toji's <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> I have to reconsider my sexism. <laughs> Masato finds man finds cleaning extremely manly and hot. <laughs> oh, I, I. I must resist. I must resist the siren's call. I'm internally <laughs> conflicted. The siren's call. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a bit of a meathead, and uh, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, like uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's he's an interesting character. Uh, I don't think that I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more focus leading up to these episodes with him. I think. I I think. This episode, well, there's a lot of exposition in this episode, but I almost wanted an episode where he is just an Ava pilot, and then immediately in the next one, his Ava pilot, his Ava unit gets taken over by an angel. That would have been interesting, even if, even if like they made maybe you know make him an Ava pilot in like episode, uh, thirteen or something. They don't really battle an angel past that, well, but yeah, it's just like the do reason it there and then. Yeah. The, sort of the function that we get instead is in the next episode, not episode 17, but 18. Uh, there's a technique used throughout the whole episode called dramatic irony, which we can mm-hmm. talk about more there. But that's basically the intentionality is that the audience knows that Toji's in the pilot and is a pilot, but Shinji and doesn't know. Yeah. And so there, that builds tension and drama leading up to the reveal at the end of yeah. the episode. Yeah. I- I think I think that's good. I just think they also could have done it differently and had and had Toji be a legit like oh like like trick you into thinking oh he's gonna be the fourth pilot the fourth uh, a- uh Evangelion pilot and that's what's gonna be happening from now on and then immediately 
his angel or his Ava unit, his angel, his Ava unit gets destroyed and he's put in the hospital. That would almost have worked as well. Yeah. yeah. We we also get <laughs> it's just an option. We also it's, get it's something they could have done thirty three years ago, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we also get a bunch of stuff with Hikari this episode. Uh, we get a bunch of stuff with Hikari this episode. We get a bunch of stuff with Ray this episode. Uh, episode seventeen mm. is very much like a side character kind of episode, I guess. It's it's a nice yeah, like kind of different. There's a lot of spinning plates, a lot of different things going on at once. It's a nice kind of break from how high octane the last one was, and it, mm. I think you really did need something this kind of slow pace to buffer what happens in the next two episodes, you know, with this one. Yeah. So, um, th- this acts as kind of a pretty good buffer for that. It gives it gives us a lot of world building in this episode. Uh, we get a lot of discussion of not just Marduk, but kind of like uh, Ava, uh, Nerve's second branch and uh, the USA kind of building Ava Unit, um, mm-hmm. Ava Unit 3 and the S2 engines, which become important later. Uh, we get a bunch Almost of stuff with everyone... Ray too. Um, yeah. Where she's like the dummy plug kind of leading up to the next episode with the dummy plug system. Yeah. Yep. They foreshadow the dummy plug. Um, Almost everyone gets a little, a little piece of the cake. Uh, even Kensuke. Yeah. Like Kensuke does, Toji does, Rei does, Risko does, Asuka does, Masato does, Kaji does, like Gendo. Maya does, I think, even. Um Gendo's got a couple of moments. Gendo gets a lot. This is a this is actually a really like ultimately this story, even though it's Toji's story kind of, it's really ends up being very much a Shinji Gendo story. Though they don't really foreshadow that too much in this episode. I'm not sure if I like the script for this episode that much. I think think who wrote it do you know it was shinji higuchi shinji higuchi ah ano's fall guy yes so yeah <laughs> shinji higuchi who yeah. shinji akari was yeah. named after uh famously took over nadia where it was like go- when it was going under basically ano for whatever reason the budget had ran out and ano didn't feel like working on it anymore and so he just kind of left and shinji higuchi took over until ano came back later for the finale of Nadia with more money and then was like, let me take over and finish this off right, you know? And, and so Shinji yeah. Higuchi is very much uh, Otto's fall guy. Um, I love that even in the rebuild in 3.0 plus 1.0, Otto uses the, that song at the very end of 3.0 plus 1.0 is a tribute to Shinji Higuchi's first directorial work or at least a movie that he worked on called like Bye Bye Jupiter. And so like that, that's like, that's like an homage to Shinji Higuchi. So Ano, Ano is like, yeah. Shinji is an homage to Shinji Higuchi. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, a lot of people like to say that Shinji is like Ano's self-insert and in some ways he is, but he's also a, uh, a kind of like a i'm sorry shinji higuchi i'll make you the main character of my show because you've been taking so much of the brunt of my bullshit (laughs) (laughs) you seem like a guy who's really down on his luck shinji higuchi (laughs) i think you'd be a really good protagonist you base shinji on me well not all of shinji just the scenes where he's like really depressed and getting kicked around and called a loser <laughs> but, but Ano-san why but Ano-san you're the one who was doing that yeah <laughs> Gendo is also based on me Gendo and Shinji are both based on Ano so weirdly yeah yeah apparently I mean, look, Toji look at Ano and tell me that Gendo was not based on Ano a little bit Toji interestingly was apparently based on Ano's father which is something that not a lot of people know like apparently Ano's father was very like uh jock-ish and kind of like a tough guy like manly man type of thing um mm-hmm. he lost his leg in a uh in a milling accident at a lumber mill and uh oh. and and uh, that's very much the basis for Toji losing his leg in episode 19. At the beginning of episode 19, you can see that he's missing a leg under the covers. And Ano has directly stated that that is, in fact, in homage to huh. his father. Yeah. So. Interesting. Um, so it's, it's really interesting because Shinji is based off of Shinji Gucci, Gendo is based off of Ano, and Toji is based off of Ano's father. So I'll just. <laughs> I think Shinji's kind of a composite, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but. Th- 
it's, it's just kind of interesting because like the, yeah. the the core narrative behind a lot of the the meta with the fan base is that like shinji is uh very much ano and nothing else uh... <laughs> and karu is uh ikuhara and <laughs> and misato is akio satsukawa <laughs> and mari is ano's wife no, no. <laughs> so, uh, i love how everyone well, in the ava fan base loves to basically go like this character is this real world figure i don't I mean, think that's really the case it's not that yeah it's, it's not, not that like one-to-one it's it, yeah it's no, not one-to-one influence yeah but like i mean in all look, writing look you at take Ikuhara bits of yourself and look at kaoru you know. and tell me there was not some influence there <laughs> I mean, uh, there there totally was, but yes. <laughs> yeah, Ikuhara is the creator of Utena, and he worked on Sailor Moon and stuff, just in case anyone's wondering who that is. And he had uh, a rumored um, bathhouse escapade with Hideakiano, uh, yeah. who, who uh, that this inspired a lot of uh, Kaoru's character later. Uh, take that as you will. Uh, I'm just saying, Ikuhara wears a lot of tight leopard skin pants, <laughs> and I'm... and did drag as Sailor Mars. Anyway, I, I'm also just saying, Ano has always had problem with the ladies. So, uh, um... except his perfect wife. Well, his <laughs> wife kind of fell from the sky and hit him in the face pussy first. So you know, <laughs> what? No, so wrong. <laughs> Um, that scene where Mari falls from the sky and starts sniffing Shinji is actually based it's on just how autobiographical. Yeah, it's autobiographical. It's autobiographical. <laughs> she was going skydiving one day and then just crash landed on top of me. I get. And then she started smelling me, and I thought, "This is the girl for me." Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a phone call. One second. Oh, it's Hideakiano. He's saying to stop talking about his wife. <laughs> Uh, get my wife's name out of your mouth. <laughs> mouth. Yeah. <laughs> where? Where? What are we talking about? <laughs> Will Smith, actually. Which, which, by the way, we foreshadowed Will Smith's inclusion in this podcast earlier with the basketball. Yes. Every. It all comes together. Uh, it all comes together. Speaking of coming together, uh, we also get a scene where Kaji dive rolls into Maya and tries to hit on her. <laughs> and so, and then Misato walks in and Kaji dive rolls away. <laughs> no, he doesn't dive roll. <laughs> Maybe off screen he dive rolled. We don't know. <laughs> they didn't have the budget camera. to animate that. <laughs> no. Well, they could have just reused it. They could have just put him in different backgrounds, jumping and dive rolling. Someone needs to take Kaji dive rolling and put that onto the shooting star meme. Like the... Da, 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 da. I don't know what meme that is, but okay. <laughs> you know, so for this is a famous scene that we're making star. jokes about, but... <laughs> um. Yeah, with in this instance, uh, Kaji is acting like a playboy and is trying to hit on Maya, and generally, and Shinji. yeah, and, and <laughs> I, you realize I'm a guy, right? Um, like that whole thing. Love uh, knows no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kaji gets all serious after pretending to flirt, and yeah, and really so gets serious he's, with he's Masato. Acting the fool a bit initially, and then Masato comes in, and there's and he's still playing the fool. And then she asks him a serious question, and he immediately I think... pins her against the vending machine and starts speaking very seriously, which I think shows you a lot about his character. Well, Kaji says one thing later on to Shinji uh, when they have some alone time in the next episode, yeah. which is that you can't really fully understand someone and like all the facets that make them up. And I think he's the right person to say that in a way because he is he yeah, is really two faced. He's like he is such a double agent in a lot of ways and is really pretending, yeah. I think, to be a playboy to throw people off a lot of the time. Because uh, even yeah. with when he gets with Misato, like in private scenes, he acts so much more grounded and is much less of a like playboy and is much more like seriously yeah, like he's he's really devoted to her in a lot of ways and mm -hmm. but he pretends to be just like I'm, I, I'm gonna get like any lady you know whatever uh yeah. and, but he's like i think that his true self in a lot of ways is very different from 
what he projects onto others and that speaks to the larger theme that he discusses later with shinji about like how it's really hard to fully understand someone and all the aspects that make them up um when talking about gendo yeah you can tell that from the way that ritsuko reacts to him too when she's when he's flirting with her she's just like oh cut it out stop it whatever (laughs) like he doesn't even she doesn't even consider what he's saying as like yeah it's like like, this isn't even serious i know you well enough to know this isn't isn't really actually you <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and then we get the watermelon know, scene and I we get the, the famous watermelon grows scene. watermelons <laughs> yeah he's a plant guy uh which is another one of those things that you wouldn't really expect from him to be honest because he is such a james bond he projects that james bond like thing can you imagine james bond having like a, a friggin greenhouse like in whatever and he's <laughs> no just, so, no yeah I'm watering my tomatoes. You see, my dear, it's all about uh, it's all about the pH <laughs> in the water. <laughs> it's a bit like Solid Snake with the huskies, with the dog mushing. Yes, <laughs> one. It is. It's it's that like subversion of the James Bond archetype that kind of like yeah. humanizes the character a little bit. Uh, we should talk about deconstruction in a different uh, episode, but uh, I do think Ava has deconstructive elements. I know someone was talking about that in the comments in our podcast. We read all the the yeah. comments, by the way. You should you should comment if you're listening and tell us what you think. Yeah. Tell us insights, and we'll probably respond to them. Uh, but I do think in a, in an interesting way, Kaji is kind of like deconstructing that spy trope a little bit, where it's adding that logical conclusion where he does have like all these he has a personal life like a history uh with these characters is more uh is more monogamous than he projects is is kind of like a person that's sensitive deep down and takes and really cares about shinji as kind of like a son figure uh and uh is a little brother i'd say but yeah yeah, it's 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 interesting he takes him under his wing a little bit is all i'm trying to say yeah Yeah. and uh the watermelon patch is such a um, a revealing element of his character where it's he is much more sensitive in a weird way than you'd initially think he like he really tries to he it's kind of funny because he's he's watering these plants and is and is sort of growing them and he's trying to help shinji grow and as well yeah. and, and i think that's sure, really sure. cool and he talks he's more nurturing he talks about yeah he talks about pain specifically with shinji here which is a really memorable uh speech where kaji alludes to this uh almost like a buddhist uh ideology where uh suffering is required to understand others in this way where it's it's it's, suffering is not a good thing it's not supposed Mm -hmm. to be a good thing but it's something everyone goes through uh in life nobody lives life without being hurt emotionally or without like experiencing pain in some way and so pain is a good thing because it helps us learn uh, and empathize with other people who are going through similar circumstances. If you can't empathize with others, if you have like minimal kind of suffering in your life, uh, it's you kind of do grow to be like a, a very heartless kind of person in a way. Or at and, least a st- I think a stagnant person. Yeah, and and so Kaji is basically saying like, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of pain. It's it's the coin of it. You kind of need it to contrast happiness like you need that perspective and you need to be able to understand it to understand others and so it's kind of just like it's not something you should run away from which is a a larger theme in eva to not run away from things that are tough uh mm-hmm. and uh and it's such a great moment it's, it's definitely the highlight of the episode i think is the you know weirdly enough in spite of it being a toji episode the shinji kaji thing is uh yeah i mean yeah. how much how much has toji done in this first part we saw him going to see his Pulse. sister is that it <laughs> then he shoots a basketball at well, the end he well he uh he goes to deliver homework to ray oh, he has the uh, with, with shinji i just blocked those out of my mind because i didn't care yeah he <laughs> Sorry, he has the scenes he has the scenes with hikari hikari has like um uh hikari has a crush on toji and mm-hmm. she wants to deliver homework. We we get some scenes earlier on with Ray where Ray is established to be uh, needed to complete the dummy plug system, and so she's not going to attend school. So the teacher asks Toji to deliver homework to Ray, and Hikari volunteers and is like, "I can do that. I could totally do that." And we can like make out on the side, I guess. And and Toji's just like, 
Um, actually, I need my bro, uh, Shinji. Um, <laughs> Shinji, you have to come with me. <laughs> yeah, bros before hoes, exactly. And uh, <laughs> and and that's how we get that whole conversation later with uh, Toji being like, "Ew, that's not very like manly of you to clean." There is a little detail I like here, though. I like when she says, "Like you always buy your lunch, don't you?" And he's like, "Well, there's no one to cook it for me because my mom's in the uh, Avacore warehouse. She works there. <laughs> uh, she hasn't been home." Nerve Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the depot. Uh, and so she's like i'll make you lunch um which sets up the ending um and then uh yeah so then they go over to ray's uh which sounds like it's, it's a bar in starcraft actually ray's bar uh but anyway, <laughs> we're running over Whoa, we're off topic in this episode. Uh, yeah, but Shinji, <laughs> despite the fact that the last time he went into Ray's house unannounced, he found her naked and pulled out all her underwear. Like, he just walks right in again. <laughs> He's just like, mm, well, we have to give her her homework. <laughs> they just go right in, even though they don't know where she is. Yeah, and he, like, uh, he just cleans up the place. Um, I think yeah, it's really interesting. The there's a few scenes which humanize Ray a little bit more in this episode and continue her development, uh, especially, you know, caring for Shinji and stuff. Uh, um, because when she finds out that Toji and Shinji have been cleaning, or, well, Shinji has been cleaning, she kind of blushes a little bit and is like, wow, thanks. And uh, then remarks how she's never even really thanked Gendo for anything. Um, so she's that's kind of the first. For yeah. yeah. It's like she can appreciate that someone did something for her, and that's, that's a big revelation for her. Uh, and um we also get um is it is it in the next episode that ray confronts uh toji yes. yeah okay the, so we'll the, talk about that then conversation um uh, yeah and then i i like the ending of this episode a lot i like the the little shot of uh well like where asuka finds out that toji's the pilot and uh then shinji has a little conversation with kensuke where they're talking about could Kensuke be the new Ava pilot? And Shinji has no idea. Um, but I like that scene of him, even, even though I made fun of it, like him shooting the basketball and you see Akari cooking. It's like, I don't know, it's just setting up. It, it, it's sort of thoughtful, even though it doesn't say anything. I don't think it means anything. It's just kind of a nice little thoughtful moment to end the episode on. Also, it gives you all the, I just want to say in terms of the the cuts and the, there's implicate, there's no exposition that Toji is the pilot. Uh, it basically, Asuka sees who the pilot is and we don't see it. And she goes, it's him? Ugh. You know, and kind of like, you know. Yeah, you could almost think it is Kensuke, actually. Yeah, you could almost, but then it cuts to a shot of Ava Unit 3 and then cuts to Hikari cooking for toji and then cuts to toji playing the basketball and you get that you get that it's toji like just from the way yeah. it's cut they tell together. you through visuals yeah yeah is that where you see it on the cross like they're transporting it with, like the chains carrying the cross and the ava units on it toji is the sacrificial <laughs> so lamb um but yeah it was i think this is a it's kind of a, an episode that i often forget about um you know all the ins and outs of what goes on but i do appreciate it mm -hmm. i think it's got some really good scenes in it and it's a it's a pretty good episode um yeah do you want to move on to the next one sure i i, I just again I, I don't like the script for this one as much as i, I think you could have uh i think the scenes with kaji and shinji are great but i think otherwise you could have really punched up the dialogue and and really uh put a couple of things together Wait, is it the first i think that's the first episode yeah sorry we skipped over one little bit that i wanted to talk about where they uh the senior staff at nerve are all kind of standing around the big map and ritsuko and masato are kind of talking and masato says something like uh after the uh, av unit four is it three or four it's four right three like, gets blown up oh four gets blown up three gets imported yeah, four gets blown up and then she says something like, those idiots shouldn't have been toying with things that were beyond their understanding. And she kind of like gives like Ritzko a little side eye. And uh, and it, it's just developing, continuing to develop that relationship and that subplot, which also continues in the scene where Masato is talking to Kaji, where we're seeing that Masato is starting to put things together. And she's starting to try and figure out what the truth about Nerve and, and Sile and all that is. There's also a really good scene with Ritsuko that I forgot to mention where uh, she kind of side-eyes Ray a little bit 
in uh when gendo oh, yeah or side as gendo when in seven minutes into the episode when uh when gendo starts to almost act flirty with ray and let's go get it, a bite to eat. it kind of foreshadows ritsuko's uh strange love triangle between ray and gendo and her yeah <laughs> so i don't get this sense that Risco hates ray though so i'm, I'm kind of curious what that look really means i think it's almost yeah I, I it was more directed at gendo specifically but yeah i think so yeah. Um, okay, so next episode is episode 18, and we begin making it pretty clear that Toji is, in fact, the pilot. Um, I think that there is a scene directly just saying it outright. Mm -hmm. What's a given? That that shot at the end in the first episode is definitely a given. Yeah, but just in case you didn't know, I think they make it clear. Um, but yeah, yeah, Misato... Uh, the first, the first real scene is, like, Misato not telling Shinji that Toji is the pilot she like fails she's she's she kind of chokes up before she can let him know that 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 mm-hmm. that's who the pilot is and is interrupted by kensuke who barges in and it's just like Misato, i really will be the pilot <laughs> so uh, yeah um yeah. and uh <laughs> why is he donald duck <laughs> donald duck i don't know i don't know what i'm doing anyway um uh, <laughs> uh and obviously he cannot be but yeah uh um we learn that toji doesn't really want to be a pilot here and it has sort of accepted solely based on his sister being trans uh, transferred to a better hospital at nerve um yep. he's acting really dead inside and kind of like just like really cold and um uh distant he's like emotionally distant um and we get a really good parallel actually to the earlier episode episode 17 um where we didn't really mention this but uh toji makes fun of asuka and shinji and it's just like you guys are real lovers now haha <laughs> yeah and and they're like no we're not and it's it's a yeah. comedic kind of scene and uh we get a parallel here where a similar thing kind of happens um where oscar comes in and he makes a comment but it's like just really cold and distant and then the scene is so much more serious um mm-hmm. and uh then we make it clear that shinji is really the only one who doesn't know about toji like ray knows oscar knows misato knows kaji knows everyone knows it's just shinji that doesn't know that toji's the pilot and nobody really wants to tell him because uh he just had like this horrible experience with liliel actually in episode 16 and is psychologically kind of been damaged by that a little bit where he's having a hard time sinking with the Ava unit. Um, and Shinji's been like, kind of just like emotionally distressed a little bit. So mm-hmm. nobody really wants to kind of break the news to him. Um, I personally feel like picking Toji for the pilot was a mistake on nerves part. I think they should have picked like um, that one student, uh, uh joji or something like that who's in like the back of the class you know um what the the red-haired kid just just whatever kid is is um that we've never met before (laughs) why should they pick him just from a logical perspective uh yeah because not as much of not as emotionally devastating to shinji Shinji. they picked it for like dramatic reasons uh like this will really get Shinji going. <laughs> we picked a uh, we picked that guy uh, Kotobuki Sanji, and Shinji's just like, who? Oh, oh shoot, that was in the last episode too. Sorry, <laughs> there's the scene where Masato and where uh, Ritsuko is talking literally about the Marduk Institute, and Masato says something like, "Oh, you you found the fourth child," and she's like, "Yes, just this morning actually. You'll have a report tomorrow." And then Masato's like, "What?" How did you find them so fast? You just finished the unit and you're like, oh, yeah, the fourth child, they're right there. And she's like, you know what happens? And then Masato's like, are you lying to me again? And Ritsuko's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which shows the destruction. Um, Like, their relationship is really kind of strained, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Their friendship Which doesn't play in this episode at all, because there's almost nothing. They're just exposition bots in this episode, pretty much, but... Oh, we do get a good scene with um Asuka and Hikari though. Um 
right after yep. the scene, which I really like because Asuka's actually being like a good friend to Hikari, which is, uh, it's just mm-hmm. nice to see her humanized again. Rarity. Team Asuka here, okay? Um, it's just really cool yep. to see that she supports her friend, and you know, like Hikari's like, Toji and Rei went off to go talk on the rooftop together, and I don't know what that means, and and then, uh, and Asuka's like, do not worry, girl, Rei is as dumb as a doorknob, she is not gonna be a threat to you, girl, and it's <laughs> she's just like you girl are an absolute treasure and if toji doesn't appreciate that he doesn't appreciate shit okay so i just i just like that asuka is is a real friend here and is is just such a gal pal so she was she was all on board (laughs) well you know i i just really the way it's like done is just really fun and and kind of like friendship y and uh and then she's just like, Hey, what do you see in that guy anyway? And then Hikari is like, I don't know, he's just kinda nice and she's just like eh. <laughs> Well I support you. <laughs> I support you. Um and then uh after that we have Asuka meeting with Shinji in the living room at Masato's place and she has an opportunity to tell Shinji that Toji's the pilot but decides not to. Uh, why do you think that? Mirrors. Why do you think that is actually? I I I think uh, yeah I think all of the Asuka and Masato and all of them they just they can't handle telling Shinji it's it's almost it's just too rough it's like I I, mean, I don't even know why I I they sort of set it up I think it's in the last episode uh, Ritsuko's basically like Asuka won't care that he's a pilot because all she cares about is herself and that's basically what Ritsuko says and then she's like but Shinji. He might be kind of scarred by it because he knows that anyone who pilots an Ava is doomed to be miserable. <laughs> she says something literally like that. So I think they're all kind of protecting Shinji a little bit because they think he's going to take it hard. Yeah. Which is nice. That's a nice little moment of Asuka, Asuka choosing not to speak, which is a very rare thing. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Und Shinji! Bakur Shinji! Und Toji is und pilot! I'm here to be blunt and tell you all the things you do not want to hear, <laughs> just like a good German would. Zaukel, Arschloch. Oh, whatever. Anyway. I know it sounds mean, but you must hear. Reality must be adhered to. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Toji. I'm not even gonna complete that sentence. Um. So, uh, okay. and then we get we get a great scene with Shinji and Kaji sleeping together um just you know oh like oh, bros right. do that's a quick d- shinji's an easy date i, I mean to- kaji just asked him out yesterday and already i mean and already <laughs> um to quote uh to quote an excellent video um asuka had her chance ray had her chance visato had her chance even mary had her chance but oh it's kaji kaji's the- <laughs> oh what video was that? Oh, it's just this review of Ava 3.0 where some well, um he was he was pro Kaoru specifically and he said even oh. even Kaji had his chance or whatever. Which... Oh, I know that video. I know that video. Okay. Yeah, if if you look up if you look up Evangelion 3.0 uh review, uh you'll get this really funny well, it's kind of tragic in a way, but it, it is kind of funny. It's like a, a uh, a fan of Ava who has never seen uh, the movie, really upset by the spoilers of the movie and just ranting for 30 minutes about the movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Fun fact, just some Ava anyway, trivia, deep lore. Anyway. So, Shinji and Kaji are actually talking about something really important, and it's probably my favorite scene in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is also my favorite scene in this episode where uh, um shinji's just like you're always hanging out with my father what's he really like and then kaji's like do you just ask everybody this like what your dad is like and then shinji's like no <laughs> i don't <laughs> and then kaji's like it's actually fiyutsuki who's always hanging out with your father huh why don't you go talk to him <laughs> i don't remember what comes of that i don't think anything does um kaji basically makes it clear that people will allow themselves to be known in certain ways and you can't really fully know everyone from 
cover to cover kind of deal it's mm-hmm. it's sort of futile yeah. to fully understand someone completely and this ties into the fact that like he doesn't know what's going on with toji um uh, but also that shinji doesn't know what's going on with just even himself because kaji kaji says like it's even almost impossible to learn everything about yourself so it's uh yeah yeah, and it kind of deals with the broader themes of because like ava is really about the relationship between uh man and woman or metaphorically you know like people uh romantically and and familially and like it it is about just human connection at its core and Mm -hmm. Kaji is sort of this wise person making a kind of a thesis statement that it's you kind of got to roll with the with people like what they give you is what they give you and and that's mm-hmm. what you should you shouldn't really try and see the good in Gendo in a weird way because he's he's already kind of a dick to you <laughs> so that's what he's projecting and he's complex he might have his reasons uh you know but ultimately uh it's futile to try and understand your father and why he did the things he did to you and why what makes him tick and everything there. Because um, Shinji doesn't actually confront Gendo in Neon Genesis, uh, probably no. because Ano himself wasn't able to fully understand his own father before his father passed away. Um, and so it's yeah. it's kind of like this wisdom where you shouldn't like obsess over somebody you can't really understand you know it's not yeah and it's it's foreshadowing the ending too of this episode largely yeah Yeah. um which i i think i've always really connected to that element of of the show where it's it's about like letting go uh in a way of of toxic people and um and just kind of like self-love and not needing validation from people who don't want to validate you um and yeah, it's it's good. This this ties into the broader themes. It's it's one of the more important thematic uh, things, along with the the watermelon patch episode. It, the, you know, funny enough, uh, Kaji in these last two episodes is really being built up for the scene in episode nineteen. Uh, pretty pretty well, you know, yeah. even more than Toji being set up for for this episode. So that's funny. It, it's it's showing yeah. that because this is also um, Kaji has to step in because Masato has to go be with Ritsuko to set up everything for the unit three launch so they say okay kaji you go stay with asuka and shinji while i'm away and kaji does it and that's kind of nice and we start to see the developing relationship between um kaji and shinji it's also the first time we see, we see kaji for the first it's in the first part we missed i guess there's a lot more going on in the first episode than we thought but where asuka comes in and she's like hey kaji how's it going and she like jumps on him and he's like, not right now, and because he's like working, because he takes his work really <laughs> seriously. And it's interesting that he had that reaction to her, because he usually just sort of like stares at her blankly whenever she does anything. He's like, yeah, but, hi, uh, hi, Oscar, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, yeah. Well, sort of, but like, I think a lot of people would interpret it as him being not um, guided enough, almost like like sh- this girl is acting like a fool basically and mm-hmm. it very inappropriately and they think like oh he should shut her down and it's like i, I think a lot of people think that way. I-, I don't necessarily think that's the right way to react to her i think it's almost better that he sort of just lets her do what she's doing and then he doesn't indulge her but he also doesn't condemn her she lets he lets her kind of come to her own conclusions about how mm-hmm. she should behave um so uh, yeah after- so that's it's a good scene i just like this this the this role we, we don't get enough kaji in this show i think, I think kaji's a really cool character so i think what we do get of, of him really is nice excellent stuff. in of itself yeah and absolutely yeah it's um because he's such a memorable part of the series for me in spite of not being in like mm-hmm. it uh, like statistically like you know proportionally not in it a whole lot but when he's in it he always makes an impression um he is just such yeah. a interesting um, like, because even though he is that womanizer James Bond person, he is the sage of the show in, in kind of a way. And that's such a interesting kind yeah. of um, addition to an archetype like that. Uh, so later on in this episode, Unit 3 is taken over by the angel. Um, you know, uh, an angel kind of yeah. like... So that's the next scene. Takes over Unit 3 they with... Do the, they do the launch. They do the launch with Ritsuko and Masato. And, yeah. and immediately... It looks like everything's going really good, but then 
dun dun dun. Gillian, the blood pattern is blue. Notice. Yeah. But the blood pattern is orange, actually. But yeah. <laughs> it's an angel for sure. Both Ray and Oscar are. No, they don't know if it's an angel. Right, right, okay. They said the blood pattern is orange. It's impossible to know if it's an angel or not. <laughs> <laughs> the blood pattern is 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 a uh, is certainly a thing. Uh, it's, it's probably murky. an angel. It's maroon. What does that mean? And uh, both Ray and Oscar are pretty t- taken out pretty quickly by yeah, uh, unit the three. Sequ- they have a longer action sequence here with Bardiel. Uh, okay, yeah, and the angel this this episode is called Bardiel. Is the angel of fog, and his name means the disgraced son of God. Um, which are both very fitting for this uh, angel. What do you think, by the way? I really like it. What do you think of Unit 3's design? Oh, I think it's pretty cool. It it definitely looks more imposing with the whole black like facade uh, than mm-hmm. any of the other units in a way. Uh, like its teeth structure and kind of mouth, its jaws really emphasize, so it gives it like more of a like threatening kind of um, vibe to it. I, I think it... I believe it's... Sorry. Go on. No, you go on. No, no. I was gonna say it's the only one without horns. It's the only one without anything on its head. I think. Well, um, I'm trying to think because horn the horn itself, eyes. the the unicorn horn um, that you see on Unit One is actually in reference to the fact that it's derived from Lilith specifically that unit because uh, it's okay. more satanic, and so it's sort of like that's the design. The thinking is that it's oh, more more demonic. I, it has I, an oni horn. Essentially, is the idea uh, <laughs> where like oni has that single horn going on. Um, but yeah, like, uh, unit two doesn't have any in the rebuild. They added like a weird headpiece to it. Uh, but that's not in the original show. Unit zero doesn't have like a horn or anything like that. And this one doesn't have a horn either. So it's, it's any angel derived from Adam is is kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it does have a really distinct silhouette, but yeah, any unit derived from Adam specifically, uh, doesn't have that Oni horn that unit one has. So, um, Kind of a cool. This is all of them, which is everything except Unit One. So. Yeah, yeah, everything except Unit One. Later on in the rebuild, they kind of expand on that a little more. Where there are units derived from Lilith that also have horns, like that Oni horned kind of thing. Um, like Mark Six. Wait, is Unit Zero derived from Adam? Yeah, it is, right? Yeah, Unit Zero is derived from Adam. Yeah. Okay. It's it, it doesn't really matter. It's very particularly Unit One is derived from Lilith for the special reason that it can act in, in place of a. It, yeah it's for it's for eoe stuff where it can act in place EOE of stuff. of a uh it, it can act in place of a lilith entity so uh it can trigger yeah. impact uh yeah. yeah 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 uh so next scene so we have the the introduction of bardiel the unit's infected it it walks almost like this frankenstein monster through the through the 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 back back hills of tokyo or of tokyo 3 and uh, Ray tries to stop it, fails. Oscar tries to stop it, fails. And then Shinji has to step up. And but he's Shinji unwilling. Yeah, he's, he's unwilling. unwilling. Yeah, he he gets beaten and he won't fight back because he knows there's a there's a kid in there and he doesn't want to hurt the kid. And I really like this next sequence because first off, it's the first time we really see Gendo break his demeanor. It, just like with Kaji, it's the first time we really see um uh gendo kind of lose it a little bit and in the dub the original adv dub i think tristan mccavery did a really good job with the the dialogue here i remember that distinctly it's it's really interesting how different the two are the two performances here because you have in the japanese even when gendo's yelling he's kind of just really low-key and kind of understated but tristan mccavery really pumped it up and uh and really built up to that moment of uh he he added a, a a cadence to it, a like a story to this this set of dialogue as Gendo's anger builds through the scene, um, which fits the animation at least. It doesn't really fit the original actor, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so effectively, uh, it ends up being that Gendo is ordering like uh, he says, you know activate the dummy plug this dummy plug thing that we've had foreshadowed we don't really know anything about the dummy plug at this point correct um we do know that it is actually derived from ray like uh there's a scene yeah i, I mean we know lore stuff about it, but we don't know what it is or what it's going to do yeah we don't know the function of it essentially it is kind of yeah. like just a, a mystery it's like oh there's this dummy plug and it can act in 
place of a pilot. They do say that, but we don't know mm-hmm. like how that's going to work or what that's going to look like or when that's going to happen. And uh, apparently, Unit One. Well, they do. Yeah, they do describe it a little bit. They say like, "Oh yeah, it can act. Yeah, it imit- It has no." Ritzko specifically says it has no soul. It has no heart. You can't digitize the heart of a human. So it's literally just the logical brain patterns of the two pilots. And it will trick the Ava into thinking there's a pilot when there isn't one. Yeah, so we yeah. do know that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but what it looks like here is that Shinji has to basically watch as the Ava unit uh, rips apart this person that he doesn't know that's inside. Yeah. Um, and he kind of like I love looks the on detail horrified of his at neck, that. By the way. The yeah, when they when the... it strangles him and it has the uh, yeah, the marking yeah where it, you can see it's like an invisible hand is strangling Shinji. Yeah. um it's pretty cool and i think it's actually really admirable that shinji doesn't fight back like i know some people have said oh you know shinji's uh, being a massive weenie here but i think it's actually way cooler that he's not he's not actually fighting because they're both right yeah it's like gendo's right and shinji's right shinji's arguing like it's arguing from a moral standpoint and he's correct it's like i don't want to hurt another person i don't want to kill somebody and gendo's like you have to (laughs) it's you or him and that's that's correct too um it's i think it's just really cool that he's standing up for what he believes in yeah he's being principled Yeah, yeah for sure yeah like shinji's arguing a principle and gendo's arguing the practicality of it and neither's wrong really um, but it's going to create conflict between them when, you know, things were just starting to get so good between them. They went to the, his mother's grave and had that moment together. It was just so nice, mm-hmm. and now it's all falling apart. Um, but it, it also speaks to the uh, Kaji scene earlier where he's like, you can't know some every aspect of someone just by talking to them or, or in how they behave in a moment. Like, you, like Gendo's actually a very sensitive character, we'll find out later, and... This probably wasn't something he wanted to do. It's something he felt he had to do. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. um, How do you think that this scene um, plays out, like, in terms of the music and kind of, like, everything, the shot compositions? I know that there's... Oh, it's great. There's a really iconic shot of a unit three walking into the sun, like, and whatnot, like, you know, silhouetted against the sun in the background. And a lot of people really point to that as one of the best shots in the show, actually. Um, what do you think it like represents as far as that goes? The sun? Um, well, like, the, the obviously, setting. the setting sun is, is, is like, the you know... Sun. The, the, this episode, actually, the tone of this episode in general, to me, these last, this two-parter is really kind of ugly. <laughs> I don't have a better word than that. It's just like, it's uncomfortable to watch. The red color... The way it's paced, the way the characters talk to one another, everything's so uncomfortable. Everyone, um, it's very much, uh, it feels a lot like Anno to me. A lot of Anno's stuff always feels like there's something kind of uncomfortable and scummy kind of going on under the surface. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in 19, but I feel like 19 is almost the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, I think it gives it this sort of, it also gives it this sort of like Old West feel, like shoot out at the at the like shoot uh, like a shootout is almost like shoot someone and kill them or they kill you and that's uh it's very opposed to how shinji thinks and feels yeah yeah um it it does kind of have that weird western element i also wonder if it's like the setting sun kind of thing is in reference to the japanese flag in some ways because it's like oh uh yeah, Land of the Rising Sun and stuff like that uh, in regards yeah. to the flag with the red dot that's like prominently on it. And when it's kind of walking towards that, I it makes me think of the flag in an image. And uh, I, I wonder if this has to do with just like um, the fact that like the Ava unit is from America and there is kind of like this maybe a subtext of I'm probably reaching, but. Uh, like a subtext of some kind of just like cultural anxiety in respect to um, the the entire series kind of being like in homage to a lot of like nuclear imagery and and destruction and things like that and uh, how it's maybe about like um, 
you know, the culture itself is, and because of the war, has really led to an impact where people can't discuss things like mental health. And, and it really is just like, it has to deal with, it deals with like depression and how like Anno grew up with a very strict like father figure and everything like that. And so it kind of, it really just like ties into the broader scope of things, I guess, in like a way, because a lot of the, a lot of the domestic problems that people have in Japan is because of of like post-world war culture so yeah um yeah yeah I, I think that's a valid interpretation i mean not everything has to be intended by the author if that's your interpretation that's a totally i'm not even saying that's it's just an interesting coincidence yeah i'm saying like that's a totally valid interpretation not everything has to be intended by the author to be valid it's it's as long as you can justify it with quotes and examples from the text um, and I think mm. that's true. I, I highly doubt that's what Anna was going for. I think <laughs> what I think it is symbolizing is the setting sun is symbolizing that this is the final, this is really Shinji's last moment of happiness, of ignorance before. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, goes. yeah. It really, yeah, yeah, that's a good reading of it. But see, my reading that's more pretentious got you to read something that's probably more valid. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I thought that anyway. I was going to say it anyway, but yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is really his final moment. He's gonna have, and now his father is gonna like let him down in the worst way he possibly. It's the end of their relationship, really. Gendo betrays Shinji in a way he doesn't just abandon him. He he takes his agency away from him. He hurts. He makes him hurt his friend. He is never going to forgive Gendo ever again. And I think they have one more conversation in this whole show after this sequence i don't think they ever speak they have one conversation in episode 19 i think that's the last time they ever speak i believe yeah i want to say that's actually accurate um as well they don't really have an interaction uh, after this moment I and shinji is... and shinji just yeah. more like is is sort of sulking about how his i mean maybe he speaks to gendo over the intercom in 24 um you know maybe there's some intercom exchanges no, or something uh okay yeah then it's yeah yeah uh but he's sure masada that's like you have to go yeah anyway he yeah. pretty much just like is like how could father get me to do something this terrible kind of and that's and that's like yeah that's that's pretty much what's on shinji's mind as far as him and his father's relationship goes it's uh, um his father got him to do something that even though it saved his life he doesn't really he doesn't feel comfortable with it it wasn't a good thing it was just it was it was basically um a forced yeah his power was completely taken away from him um very mm -hmm. mentally scarring kind of situation and uh uh it is kind of the end of their relationship yeah um yeah it's gruesome he, it's a gruesome scene he too. stops wanting approval from his father from here on out and begins looking for it from other places yeah. that's really important yeah um he stops asking people about his father every five minutes. Yeah. That's almost, yeah, it's almost the bookend when Kaji's like, are you just asking everybody about your father all the time? That's almost the bookend of it. Because he never, he never shows an interest in him ever again. Yeah. Um, I think this is where he decides, and it comes up more in the next episode, but this is where he decides, like, again, it was just worthless. He just wants nothing to do with him. Um, And so, yeah, dramatic irony was totally a thing that was used throughout the scene yeah. to build yeah. tension. And when it gets revealed to Shinji that it was Toji when he sees it, uh, you know, we've known the whole time as the audience and we've just mm -hmm. been like aching for what's going to happen. It's it's a very tense moment. You know, even if you don't really care about Toji, uh, you still care about what Shinji's going to feel about it. And so uh, when it gets revealed and Shinji's just kind of horrified, it kind of perfectly sets up him running away in the next episode, you know? Yeah. Um, it feeds directly into the next episode. Yeah, it gets the audience on the edge of their seat, and it really pays off when, you know, Misato still fails to tell Shinji in time that it was Toji before he just sees it himself, uh, tying into the beginning. Um, yeah. Misato and Risco survived uh, the explosion with no explanation at all. They're just fine. <laughs> and then you get this really kind of sad, dramatic irony with Hikari making food, and she's like, I wonder what uh, Suzuhara will think wonder, about my food I, I made. What's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, but in interestingly, Toji gets away with just losing his leg here, I guess. Yeah. But, but in the manga, and really you could argue dramatically, he should have died almost. And 
I know I'm glad he didn't. How do you feel about it? I yeah, I'm really glad Toji didn't die. I think it would have really hurt the overall structure of the later half of the show, because if Toji died here, it's going to take away from uh, Ray kind of dying later and Kaoru actually mm-hmm. super dying later. So it's yeah. by Shinji's hand, and if it's like Toji dies in a way that's like kind of sort of by Shinji's hand here, it's going to take away from the devastation that killing Kaoru had uh, and the entire character dynamic in EOE and EOTV going forward to the very end. Like his, his sort of um, it's, it's a descent story uh, like, or it's a descent arc in, in this phase of the story. Um, And so if you, if you have it be that, Oh, Toji dies here and Shinji accidentally was like sort of kind of involved with killing him. Like, you know, uh, his father forced him to kill Toji basically. Um, it would kind of tarnish the, the, and, and, and lessen the impact of the deaths that happen later. Yeah. You gotta um, have somewhere to go, I think is the key thing here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, but Toji's effectively dead. I, I, you know, I believe you mentioned while we were talking about this, uh, beforehand, but yeah. it, Toji's gone. He's one more scene. Yeah. He's got like he has one more scene in the next episode, which is kind of a goodbye to him. It's kind of his, yeah. Everyone gets evacuated. Yeah, everyone gets evacuated a couple episodes later, and he—I don't—he appears again after the next episode. So, yeah, um, and yeah, he died in the manga, but honestly, yeah, it—it—it it, it actually did have that effect on me where it lessened the impact. And uh, Ano claims that he probably would have killed Toji, but the executives told him that kids can't die in his show, and I'm—I'm I'm not really convinced about that because Ray pretty clearly dies, even if she technically comes back and Kaoru is like giga dead but he's an angel but technically and like taking it at complete face value and Ray dies and be like oh I guess she was fine all along that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah the executives like Ano comes in and he's just like look she's not dead she comes back she's in the next scene (laughs) it's like Dragon Ball or something I don't know but (laughs) they wished Um, for her to come back to life okay Yeah, there, there might be some element of Ray and Kaoru's inhumanity making it more acceptable to the to the executives somehow, but I don't know. But, yeah. but this is one of those things that's like a happy accident type of thing because if Ano did kill Toji, it probably would have had a yeah. I, I th- negative. Yeah, I, I just impact. I just think it's not it's not important enough. To, he's not important enough to kill him, and I don't think it adds enough to the storytelling. Yep. Um, I actually had uh, somebody who just got into Ava. Um, talk to me about that where they were like I think it's really dumb that Toji uh, didn't die and initially I had had that opinion too but when you th- really think about it in the bigger picture it's it's better yeah. that they don't I mean he's also I mean let's be real as well like how many people would get like be shedding tears over Toji's death I'm just gonna I'm just, I cried you know, I'm just, when I'm just Toji saying. died in episode 18 <laughs> I can't believe he's gone <laughs> um yeah, and it would affect the entire tone going forward in a really negative way, I think, you know, because if, if Shinji had killed Toji, um, even accidentally, I'm pretty sure he would be way more emotionally devastated in episode 19, and it wouldn't make him coming back and returning to pilot feel quite as satisfying, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think you also I I like that scene in the next episode where we Toji gets his last little it's just a it's a really small scene and we'll talk about that but it's it's just a nice little scene so yeah yeah but anyway that's been this do you have any final thoughts about the episode nope nope I don't <laughs> yeah so thanks for listening next time we cover my one of my top three favorite episodes episode nineteen I'm so excited uh, if you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to us on Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, it's www.patreon.com slash grandrose, G-R-A-N-D-R-O-S-E, all one word, Grand Rose. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to recording the next episode. So, this we'll is, see you then. This has been Go Jesus Goodbye. This has been, <laughs> this has been Alex. It's, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying it's. I was trying to figure out how to quote, it's better than the current pilot, and there's no way to do it. (laughs) I like that read, okay? (laughs) That's all I have to say. See you later. Bye.